0: Welcome to our Wednesday night interactive Bible study. We're trying something a little different. The sermon I preached on Sunday was on 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I had some people who questioned what this meant or what that meant. So I'm going to come back and do the fill-in into everyday life on Wednesday night. So for the next couple weeks, hopefully we'll be able to answer some of your questions. And speaking of questions, the first one tonight, how do you know that God loves you? Doug Hunter writes, we watched a four-year-old called Butterbean sing the song at halftime of a soccer game a couple weeks ago. Kids don't lie. Jesus loves me. Wonder Bauer. By the way that Jesus is always there for me. Her husband has just gone through some surgery and she had some wonders about it. And, and God was there for her. For those of you who were here, we talked about a little isthmus called Corinth. They rebelled against Rome in 146 B.C. And Rome just wiped the isthmus clean. There was a guard set up that nobody could ever go back and live there until Julius Caesar came along. He looked at it and saw so much potential. If you could just drive the ship up, to the shore, take the load off, put it on a wagon or two, take it for the four miles and put it back in, it saves so much distance. And he was right. As a result, people came from every culture, every country in the then known world. When that happens, they bring around some different cultures, some different ideas, They had different gods. And some determined the life of the city. The god who was in rule over the Isthmus was Diano or Aphrodite. At night they would send the temple prostitutes down through the city. And when they got there, they would knock on the doors of the different towns. And you were supposed to pay... Even if your wife was there. She was at war with the god of war, Artemis. And so you had the constant gang-type thing where women would come down and Artemis people would try to keep them away. There were all kinds of people And I never really got what it was supposed to be like or what it must have been like until my daughter went to school in the 1990s in Hollywood, California. Yes, this is the real Hollywood sign. It's a little more distant when you see it from the road. But it's the real Hollywood sign. When you get into Hollywood, you don't stay into Hollywood very long. There's a Korean town that's very close to it. And it has got all the Korean customs, all the Korean ideas, all the Korean ways of doing things. And if you go the other way you run into Chinatown and you've seen those in the movies. Chinatown's got a big banner over it and it tells you when you're entering Chinatown and when you're leaving Chinatown and what they expect of you in Chinatown. The Koreans have uh, their little section Michelle usually put us up in a motel in the Orthodox Jewish section because the Orthodox Jewish section of Hollywood had the lowest crime rate. Now, as you might decipher, this affected what happened in church. For instance, the first picture is of three African wives. The Africans who were converted to Christianity, dressed in robes, both men and women, very colorful, headdresses or hats, if you want to put it, hats. And the women walked four to five steps in back of the men because that showed their husbands honor. Now, the American girls didn't feel that way at all. But it was their custom, and it was their way. We talked a little bit about the Orthodox Jewish section of town. Most of the men dressed just like this. But some that were converted, they went to regular worship in these clothes because that's all they really had. They were offset by the present-day Jewish couple. They didn't go through all the old holidays. They didn't wear the old clothing. They didn't have the old customs. In fact, you wouldn't know that they'd ever been Jewish after they had been converted to Christ because everything was different. This is Koreantown. town. It's where the Koreans and the Vietnamese met together. It was down by the oceanside. Fishing was the major thing, but the families were so close knit. And what the father said, that's what went. And everybody honored everything they did. This is the Muslims who were converted, and yeah, they kept their clothing and, and came in that. But when there was a prayer said, they did this little gesture you see the boy doing. They raised their hands to their chin. And that's how they prayed. This is Chinatown. And when you would meet for some, somebody for the first time, he'd fold his hands and bow his head as a sign of respect to you. This is just in one Church. In Hollywood. They looked different, they acted different, but boy their customs really were different. The different cultures went with them as they were converted to Christianity. For instance the African woman who walks four to five steps behind her husband, the American women could not stand that. They thought it was disrespect. The Africans thought it was respect. Then there were some people who put their hands straight up in the air when they prayed. I'd never been around somebody who did it who was right next to me. So when that happened, I was sort of startled a little bit. But it was their way of praying. And it didn't hurt anything. One group from Thailand... The husband sat in the first row of the church. The pews was basically signed for Thailand's men. And their wives sat exactly behind their husbands. They couldn't sit side by side, so they sat back to front. It was their custom. It was their way. Each group had this unique way of worshiping. They looked different. They acted different. But they all came together to worship the same father, the same son, and the same spirit. Knowing that is so important to understanding Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. To get the impact of this, you need to go back to Acts chapter 2. When the Spirit first descended on God's people and they began to speak in other tongues. There were staying people in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation. They heard this sound, and they came together in bewilderment because each heard what the people were saying in their own language. They were amazed, aren't these Galileans who are speaking? Galileans were fishermen, they weren't known for education, and yet they're talking in another language. If I'm right, well, if the commentators are right, one says there were 16 different groups. Another one says they were 17. Pay your money, take your choice. That's not important. What is important was they were reaching these people by talking in their own language and letting them hear the good news about Jesus. But if you don't have love, You're clanging gong. Gongs don't have much melody. They're loud. But Paul gives us some hints about what he's saying in chapter fourteen of First Corinthians. There, there are some people who are talking in tongues, and and nobody understands what they're saying. So Paul tells them to be quiet. Because speaking where nobody understands what you're saying makes you look like you're crazy. They thought they could speak and influence people. But instead, people would think they're crazy. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have the faith that can move mountains But have not love, I am nothing. Now this one used to throw me a little bit. If I have the gift of, if I'm a prophet, I should be able to fathom all mysteries and have all knowledge. And I just sit back and wonder, how could God be against that? Well, it's not hard to figure out not all prophets did the will of God. If you go into Numbers 22, a king named Balak has been attacking the Israelites. And every time he's got an ambush set up for the Israelites, they manage to go around it so that it doesn't happen. So they send out for Balaam and they offer him They offer him the sky as far as financially. And Balaam goes with the idea that he will curse Israel. God has an angel in the way. and Balaam can't see it. But the donkey can. And the donkey saves Balaam's life. And then tells him, God's not with you in this. He was a prophet. But even prophets can turn away from their faith. The third, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, I gain nothing when you talk about giving all you have to the poor it brings back the rich young ruler where Jesus said all you have to do is is give up what you've got and come follow me and you can go to heaven. But he couldn't do it. Surrendering your body to the flames has a unique background. In this day and time if you would surrender your body to the flames It was a way of purifying all of your sins. And by purifying all of your sins, you were guaranteeing your trip to heaven. But Paul says, listen, if it wasn't done in love, if it was done for that selfish reason, you're not gaining anything. This is out of a Hollywood movie. It's not the real thing, so don't get too upset. It's just somebody burned the stake. It's the kind of thing that Christians often did when it came to giving up their faith or giving up their life. That brings us to the second question. How can I learn to love greater The more you know about an individual and respect and maybe even admire their character, attitudes, and motives, it's easier to love them. I believe this is true of God. The better we understand his love and compassion for everyone in the world, the greater our love should grow. Good comment. In our language, there's only one word for love. You love ice cream, and you love your wife, and you love your children, and that's not the way it was in Bible language. In the Greek, there are four different words for four different positions on what I call the totem pole. The one that's lowest on the totem pole is Storgi, which simply means an uh, affection for something. Well, what can it be? Well, for some people, it's clothing. I kept my clothing for college for a lot of years. And then I outgrew it. But it still hurt my feelings to get rid of my my social club Omega Kai's shirt. And the number on my back, number three. For some people, it's the chair. Y'all have a, a favorite chair that's just comfortable to you. And if somebody else sits in your chair, they gotta move because you got a chair that's specially for yours. It can be a pet. Some people love their dogs. Other people, it's cats. Still others, it's things like lizards and snakes. But they have this affection, this bond towards it. And if they lose that, it hurts. That brings us to the second one: Fleo, friendship. This doesn't happen to bond by itself. This is deeper. It takes work. It takes time together. It takes that investing in the other person to get them to know you and you get to know them. If that doesn't happen you can't have a friendship. Friends can go deeper. But at times friends just get to the point where they know if somebody would call on them, they'd be there. Or if they call that somebody, they'd come to you. It's hard because it takes time. Eros. Deep emotional attachment. The research shows that men have a hard time getting here. Women, on the other hand, can get there faster. You see, they'll tell each other secrets that they don't want anybody else to know and trust that other person not to blab it. They'll be there when somebody needs them quickly because they've got this nurturing aspect. Eros is one of those deep emotional things that guys sometimes just think it's not worth it. But the last one is agape. It's the top dog on the totem bowl. But there's so few that can ever get there. You see, agape means... There's nothing I wouldn't do for the people I love this deeply. I've been married to my wife for 49 years. She can ask anything of me. I already warned some people not, not to get on to my wife, because that's something that'll get my dander up a little closer. Same's true for my daughter and her husband. And then I've got two of the greatest grandchildren in the world. Don't pick on them. But if I get a call that they need me there tonight, I'm going to find the next plane there. There's nothing I wouldn't do for them. And that's the love that God wants us to have. Because without love, this person writes, you feel empty, sad, not much of value. You see, God told us how much He loves us, and then He showed us. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. There are people I would have gone, still gone to bat for. I have a friend of 52 years. But man, if it comes to my daughter or my grandkids or, or her husband, to be honest, I don't think I would go that far. I couldn't give them up. But God did. And because God did that for us, we know how much he loves us. Well, hopefully that fills in some blanks that we left for Sunday. This Sunday, Matt Robinson will be here to speak. and If you haven't heard Matt and felt his enthusiasm, you're missing something nice. So we hope you'll come and see us and we can get to know you better and show you a little bit of of God's love that he siphons through us to you.